chapters 4 and 3, then we preached a few messages on chapter 2, several messages on chapter 2 actually, and we called that chapter Freedom's Fight. Chapter 3, the key word, the key verse that we've used, and the key word is the word in, found in verse number 1 of chapter 3, and it's the word bewitch, it's the word that, to fascinate or to hypnotize, baskino, one time it's found in the scripture, and uh, who hath bewitched you, having begun in the spirit, and he made perfect in the flesh. This chapter and this book is, of course, a thesis on that salvation is by faith in Christ alone, without works of the law. And I just want to review real rapid fire if we can here, but I don't want to, I want to make emphasis. You say, preacher, uh, we know this already. Let me let you know a secret. Uh, I can think of right now two of our church families, church people. They're not here tonight. They're Wednesday. They're Sunday morning Christians. And I uh, just got a report again this this uh, this this week. And it's not a bad thing. Well, it is a bad thing. But they don't. I'm sure glad they're in our church and so forth. But they're still confused. We have at least two families in our church, or two entities in our church, I should say it that way, that still think that it's possible to lose your salvation. Now, by the way, I hope this is not a, <laughs> I'll just say, I don't want any members of our church to be, uh, be a member of our church that doesn't believe that salvation is always by grace alone through faith and they can't lose it. But I'm thankful for these members. They're, they're just confused. And uh, they, they still don't get it all the way. They think it's possible to lose your salvation. And so um, in rapid fire review, you know, we had three sub points here. We looked at a few messages or a couple messages on the personal argument, why you cannot lose your salvation. We asked the question, who died for your sins? Of course, the answer is obvious. You didn't die for your sins. Christ did. I'm not going to review the six points here, the six questions for time's sake. Let's go to the, the scriptural arguments, which we spent two messages on. And I'm going to just read the bullet points, if we can, the six Old Testament passages that are reiterated here in verses 6 to 14. And so just to bring up the speed where we're going tonight here in the, just the minutes that we have, Abraham, verse number one, at the top of your page, I believe it is, was saved by faith. It was accounted to him, uh, this righteousness of this faith was accounted to him for righteousness sake. And Abraham believed God and was accounted to him for righteousness. Genesis 15, 6, of course. Uh, then uh, then uh, number two, this salvation is for the Gentiles, of course, it's by faith like Abraham's. Verses 8 and 9, we saw that. And then salvation is always by faith, not by the law. And then salvation comes exclusively through the cross. Every sin was nailed to it. In some ways, this is so simplistic, it's almost, almost, an, almost a little bit embarrassing to the seasoned uh, Christian in Christ that understands that salvation is by, by Christ, it's by the cross. It's by salvation, it's pure grace, and we can't earn it, but there's still so many people that think that we can earn it and we can fall from it and we have something to do with our salvation. Uh, we asked three questions, and this is where we ended up with uh, three weeks ago, last time we had this lesson. How does the Judaizer then return or think that returning to the law is superior to living under grace? We said that number letter A, that legalism appears, appeals to the flesh. The flesh loves to be religious. I don't I just say it's ingrained in us. We like to be religious, even as us Baptists. And uh, I've been dealing many, many times with the, the suit and tie issue, and we like our ladies to wear dresses and so forth. We talk about these things, but we 
we don't have really biblical precedence for. We just, it's what we do because it's our culture. It's our, it's uh, the way that we want to try to honor God. And we think that it's, that uh, we're being Christian, more Christian than others when we do these, some of these things. And we're, we, we got to be careful that we don't fall into legalism. But uh, letter B, legalism appeals to the senses. When Eve saw that the woman, or saw, when, pardon me, when the woman saw that the tree was good for, uh, to the eyes and so forth, Genesis 3, 6. It appeals to our senses. Then letter C, legalism allows a person to compare themselves with others. And you can always find somebody that you're better than and uh, somebody that makes you look good as a Christian. So we looked at the personal argument on uh, why salvation is by faith in Christ alone without the works of the law and that you can't lose your salvation. We've looked at the scriptural arguments. Now tonight in Roman numeral three, and we're going to try to get through this in the minutes that we have, is the logical argument. I'm going to give you a, the stand, from the standpoint of logic, verses 15 to 29, Galatians 3, a lengthy passage of scripture. We've touched on it, but here goes. I'm going to let you remain seated as we read God's word and just follow along carefully as I read. Verse 15, Galatians 3. Brethren, I speak after the manner of men. Though it be a man's, but a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, no man disannulleth or addeth thereto. Paul said, I speak after the manner of men. He's going to use, apply some logic now. Now to Abraham, verse 16, and his seed were the promises made. He, he saith not, and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed which is Christ. And this I say, that the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ, the law which was 430 years after, cannot disannul that it should make the promise of none effect. For if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more of promise. But God gave it to Abraham by promise. Wherefore then serveth the law? It was added because of transgressions, till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. And it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. Now a mediator is not a mediator of one, but God is one. Is law then against the promises of God? God forbid. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, Verily, righteousness shall have been by the law. But the scripture hath concluded all under sin, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. Verse 23, but before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith is come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many as of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be one in, and if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and errors according to the promise. There's a lot to dissect here tonight, but uh, let's notice that the key word of the, the passage, verses 15 through 29, is the word promise. I have them circled, the word, the phrase, the promise, or the promises. 
It actually starts in verse 14. You see in the middle of the verse the word, the promise of the Spirit through faith. Then again in verse 16, the promise. In verse 17, the, the, at the end of the verse, near that it should make the promise of none effect. Again, verse 18, it is no more of promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. Verse 19, middle of the verse, the seed should come to whom the promise was made. Verse 21, it is, is the law then against the promises of God. In verse 22, in the middle of the verse, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. And then lastly, verse 29, the last phrase, of course, and the heirs according to the promise. So we had the, the, the promise, is epangelia is the word. It's the idea of a, of a of, 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 of promise from God that cannot be broken. There's a promise of the Spirit. There's a promise of Christ. There's a promise to Abraham. And it is all alluded to in this passage of Scripture before us. And so let's begin in verse number 15 if we can. And I want you to, let's read it one more time. Brethren, I speak after the manner of men. Again, he's trying to apply some logic, some, some reason. Come now, let us reason together, Isaiah says. Though it be a man's covenant, uh, he's talking about the Abrahamic covenant that we read about in there, starting in verse number six. Abraham believed God and was covenant for righteousness, and God promised him a, a promise to, to, to bless his seed. Though it be a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, no man disannulleth or addeth thereto. Write this down for number one here tonight here. The law cannot change the promise. The law cannot change the promise. He's going to add the law here in a minute here as we begin to read a little bit further. And the law doesn't change the promise that was given to Abraham. Abraham was 430 years before the law ever came. Verse 16, now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. Not the covenant or not the, not the, uh, the law, but the promises made, and he saith not, and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. Now, Abraham, remember this, and we'll do this quickly. Genesis chapter 12, go back in your mind, that, and in thee shall, I will bless them to bless thee, and curse them to curse thee, and in thee shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Everybody is blessed by the, the seed of Abraham. Jews have been a blessing to people around the world, whether they know it or not, for, for millennia now. And we are, there's a blessing of the seed of Abraham, but there's the, the, the seed, and of course that seed, the seed is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, it says, look what it says in verse number 16, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. So this seed particularly that he's talking about is the seed of Christ. Think of Galatians, or Genesis 3.15, uh, the first promise of the, the, of the coming Messiah, that he would bruise the head of the serpent. The serpent would bruise his heel, but he would bruise the, the promise of the, the coming seed coming through the uh, mankind, of course, through uh, the, the, the promised seed, of course, and through Abraham specifically. But notice verse number 28, by the way, it parallels to verse 16. It says, but as of one, verse 16... And to thy seed, which is Christ. Now in Christ, the Bible says, verse 28, there is neither Jew nor Greek. 
There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all what in Christ? One in Christ. So we were one in Christ. Uh, Abraham was one in Christ. Now we, we looked at that in detail, some detail. He, didn't, he saw Christ afar off. He didn't see the, I don't believe he saw the cross of Calvary per se. He believed God and was counted unto him for righteousness. Christ is the avenue whereby all men are saved, Old Testament and New Testament. But here we see this, this uh, the law cannot change the promise. Verse 16, it says this word, these words, or verse number 17, rather. And this I say that the covenant, diatheke, this word covenant, that was concer- confer- confirmed before God in Christ, the law which was 400 years and thir- 430 years after, after the promise, that is, cannot disannul that it should make the promise of none effect. The law didn't override the promise. The law came 400 year, 430 years after the promise. The law cannot change the, 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 this promise. God made a promise to Abraham, and then he made a covenant with Moses, two separate contracts, if you will, two separate uh, legal documents, shall we say, a promise to Abraham, and Moses can't override that in any way. Moses has nothing to do with the promise to, to Abraham and through, through God. God made the promise to Abraham, an unconditional uh, promise, covenant, uh, that he would bless them, and uh, that bless thee and curse them that curse thee, and that the, we call it the Abrahamic covenant, of course. God made that promise. And Titus 1-2 says this here, in hope of eternal life which God that cannot lie, do you know the next word? Promised before the world began. God made a covenant and he said, I'm gonna bless Abraham, we call it an unconditional covenant. Abraham, he was an idolater, remember, in Ur of the Chaldees. He was a 75-year-old idolater. God called him out of the Ur of the Chaldees and not because he was good, but by his grace. Again, God calls us by his grace. We don't deserve it, but he calls us by his grace. And then the Bible does say that Abraham believed God and was counted unto him for righteousness. And so there's a belief factor, there's some human responsibility we see there. But the law cannot change the promise. Verse uh, 18. For if the inheritance be of the law, it's not, it's no more of promise. But God gave it to Abraham by promise. Abraham isn't in heaven because of keeping the law. In fact, as we're going to find out, nobody gets to heaven by keeping the law, of course. So the law cannot change the promise. Remember, the key phrase is the word promise. Then number two on the worksheet, verse 19. Let me give you the fill-in-blank word, first of all. The law is not greater than the promise. It's not greater than the promise. Verse 19. Wherefore, then serveth the law? What's the purpose of the law? Well, here's the answer. It was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. Now that seed, of course, is referring, of course, to the Lord Jesus Christ again, the seed of Abraham. We saw that back in verse number uh, 16 again. But as of one, one and to thy seed, which is Christ. And then again, we go over in verse 28. We see that we're all one in Christ. Uh, verse 19 again. It was added because of transgression, so the seed should come to whom the promise was made, 
and it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. Verse 20 says, Now a mediator is not a mediator of one, but God is one. Now Abraham came to, God came to Abraham directly, but uh, God used in the law, the Bible says in Hebrews 2, 2 and 3, for if the word spoken by angels was steadfast and, and uh, for his word spoken by angels was steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. We see that the angels, we have a reference here to this here, that uh, the ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. We see the law given, of course, and, and the Spirit of God talked to uh, talked to prophets throughout that Old Testament era, of course, and reiterated the law and the commandments and so forth. And, but as far as the promise goes, it was given by one, verse number 20, which is God, of course. God gave the promise, and he cannot lie. Titus 1, 2, I've already quoted that. God, God cannot lie, and so the law is not greater than the promise. The law, the second fill-in-the-blank phrase there, the law is temporary, and the law requires a mediator. The law is temporary, and the, uh, and the law requires a mediator. For there's one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And um, think with me, Romans 2, 14. The Bible says, For when the Gentiles which have not the law do the things that are contained in the law, these have not, having not the law are law unto themselves, the law was given to what type of people? To who, who were the law, what was the law given to? It was given to the Jews. It wasn't given to the Gentiles. But there's a natural law. Tuesday night I'm planning on talking about natural law. The laws of nature and nature's God from the Declaration of Independence. And there's a natural law that is in, innate in man that's given to us by God himself. But the actual written law, the moral law, the ceremonial law was given specifically to Jews, it was not given to Gentiles. And so uh, this law is temporary, and the, the law requires a mediator. Now, why, why do I say the law is temporary? Well, let's go to the time when Christ died on the cross. What did he say, six of the seven sayings on that we hear? We, that one word that comes, three, three words in our English language. It is finished. And what happened to the veil of the temple? It was rent from top to bottom. And, and uh, the, the mercy seat was open. And uh, Christ is the end of the law to everyone that believeth. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now we have access. Not only, not only you know, it used to be just the high priest had access, remember? But only the Jews had access. Only men and there was a pecking order all the way down through. And Gentiles were nowhere to be found. But uh, now we have access into the heavenlies. By Jesus Christ. So the law is temporary, and the law requires, a, uh, again, a mediator. Uh, I've already, I think I quoted already Romans 10 4, for Christ is the end of the law to, for righteousness to everyone that believeth. And so we see this, uh, this law is just temporary and it doesn't supersede, it's not greater than the promise. You can't change the promise. Verse 21 Is the law then against the promises of God? Do we have a contradiction going on here? Well, the answer is, God forbid. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, verily, or of course, righteousness should have been by the law. If we could, 
we could somehow be saved by the law, then why did Christ come? In fact, if you turn, I have to turn one page in my Bible, go back to verse 21 of chapter 2. Remember this verse here. I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness came by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. If righteousness came by the law, then, then, then Christ died in vain. Righteousness does not come by the law, of course. But the law is not contrary to the promise. The law was not given to, letter A on the worksheet, it was not given to provide life. There's no life in the law, there's only judgment in the law. Verse 22. But the scripture hath concluded all under sin. The law brings condemnation. That the promise, now here's the superior, not the law, the promise is the superior. The promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. We, in order the good news of salvation, we give the fourfold four step of salvation, of course. The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ, the first, second, third, and fourth you know, steps to the Romans road. All of you know it here, I'm thinking. You know, all have sinned. Step number one, come short of the glory of God. That's not good news, that's bad news. The wages of sin is death. That death is first death and second death. First death and second death in a place called hell. That's not good news. That's both bad news. But the law, but, but here's the promise overrides the law. The law just points us to the fact that we're sinners. And the promise of faith by Jesus Christ, the third step in the Romans road is you must understand that Jesus Christ died for your sins for you. And then, of course, you must call upon Christ to save you. So the promise is way superior to the law. Verse 23. But... Before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith which should afterwards be revealed. So write down letter B. We got letter A, not given to provide life. The law was not given to provide life. Letter B, but was given to reveal sin. The law shows us that we're sinners. Shows us that we're guilty. As Romans chapter 3 says, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. It's the law, you know, I, you know I, was, I shouldn't tattle on myself so much, but I was going down East Main Street this, this morning here, and uh, the police officers are out there, they're fixing up East Main Street here, and uh, of course I get stopped right in front of the police officer, I don't have my seatbelt on, it's like, uh, it's too late to put my seatbelt on, I said, oh, he's too busy just directing traffic, he's not going to stop me, and I said, but I'm starting to sweat, I, I, I started feeling guilty, I don't have my seatbelt on, and there's a cop looking right at me, and uh, uh, what was that? That was my conscience. That was the law. I know, knowing the law, I was, I was, I was uh, it, it reminded me of the law of man. And there's things that we do that the law of God reminds us that we're violating his law. And then verse 25, or 24, I guess I, uh, 24 one more time. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. And so uh, letter C is, A, one more time, not given to provide life. The law is not given to provide life, it's, but it was given to reveal sin. And letter C, to prepare the way of the Lord. What's our hope? Our hope is not we can't keep the law. Our, hope, our only hope is that we can, we, our hope is not in the law at all. It's, uh, it's found in Christ alone. But after the law, verse 25, is come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. And then the last verse, verse 26, before we move on to the last point, 
For ye are all the children of God by faith, not by the law, in Christ Jesus. I wanted to just run a quick tangent, and I'll just do it in five seconds, but uh, the SDA, Seventh-day Adventist Movement, you know, they, I, they just got a, a letter in the mail. I get these from time to time. A couple times a year, I get a handwritten letter from a, it was from an SDA member and uh, telling me what a wicked pastor I am because I'm, it was, came from uh, some state out west. And uh, uh, because I teach people that the Christian Sabbath, that Sunday is uh, the Lord's Sabbath and it's, Saturday is the day that we're supposed to worship the Lord. And uh, they're telling me how wicked I am. They're still under the law. They're still trying to keep the law. They're still, and, and what kills me about those Sabbath performers is they don't, they don't keep the Sabbath like they should either. They don't keep Saturday. They, they go play their basketball. And they do whatever they want to do on Saturday. But, uh, you know, as long as they go to church, they're okay. But uh, they violate it in every which way they can, you can think of. They can't keep the law. So then we get to verse 27 to 29. And I wanted to spend just a few seconds now on verse 27. For as many as of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Now there's a lot of controversy in this verse right here. But I would su submit to you that I believe that the baptism is talking about, yes, I believe it's talking about water baptism, about literal physical baptism. Now, you say, preacher, well, that, that would teach baptismal regeneration, that we're saved by, by being baptized like the Church of Christ believes, falsely believes. But in the New Testament era, the only people that they baptized in the name of Jesus Christ were people that truly had received Jesus Christ as their Savior. And it should be one and the, one and the same. When Peter said to the, the, in Acts chapter 2, men and brethren, what shall we do? He, what did he say? He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you. And I say that as a Wednesday night friendly crowd. But we have some people that think that, uh, I say we, in many churches, baptism by water, that's a Baptist thing. It's not a Bible thing. No, it is a Baptist thing. It is a Bible thing, rather. It's baptized by water. The picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it's, uh, nobody should ever get baptized in water in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that doesn't believe and doesn't receive Christ as their Savior. So I just want to bring that out, that uh, I think it is talking about, see, some people say it's talking about a spiritual baptism when we receive Christ as Savior. And certainly... We're baptized in the Spirit. I don't deny that. What I'm saying is I believe that that baptism there is talking about a water baptism. And that it's talking about it's one and the same. The, when you, you confess Christ when you get saved, and you confess Christ when you get baptized. Does baptism have anything to do with saving you? No, of course not. But uh, everybody that's been saved should be confessor, confess that they are a believer in Jesus Christ by being baptized. Just wanted to bring that out. So... Uh, Let's, number four then here. Number one in review real quickly. The law cannot change the promise. Number two, the law is not greater than the promise. Number three, the law is not contrary to the promise. And number four, the law cannot do, cannot do, the law cannot do what the promise can do. The law cannot do what the promise can do because look what the, the law, law, law has it's so, so far inferior to the promise because in Jesus Christ, look at verse 28. Those that receive the promise, those that are saved, there's neither Jew nor Greek. The Jews are not a superior version of, uh, of uh, God's children than Gentiles. Jews or Greek, there is neither male nor female, 
or bond or free, excuse me, there's neither male nor female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. The promise is far superior. Every lady in this room is a, is a priest of God, just like every man is a priest of God. That is if you're saved. And it doesn't matter that none of us in this room are Jews. We're all Gentiles, I believe. Yet we're just as superior, just as on the same level as any Jewish believer there ever was. And uh, some of us think we're slaves because we were employed by other people. <laughs> but uh, really, we're all free men. But whether sl slaves are free, we're still on equal access on the, the, the ground. It's all equal at the cross. And we're all God's children through Jesus Christ. And if you be Christ, verse 29, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. I didn't dissect, and I just end with just a couple of thoughts here. We're going to end early tonight here on purpose. But uh, we're, we're not joining the Jews. The Jews, we're, and the Jews are not joining us. We're joining, we're, we receive Christ as Savior. That's where our hope is. The Jews, their hope is not in the law. Their hope is not in Abraham. Their hope should be in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's where the hope is. There's where the there's his superiority is. He's better. Christ, according to Hebrews, he's better than the law. He's better than the angels. He's better than Abraham. He's better than, than anything having been Jesus Christ. And so we have this salvation. It's logical that if you're in Christ, if you have Christ, Colossians 2 says that you, ha you have it all. We have in him dwelt all the fullness of the bo Godhead bodily. We have everything in Jesus Christ. And so Galatians 3, summarizing and we're done, says, why are you so bewitched? Why are you so hypnotized to actually think that you can get your salvation in some other way? There's the personal argument. Who died for your sins? There's the scriptural argument. And the Old Testament is complete that salvation was by faith. Or it always has been by faith. It always will be by faith. And there's the logical argument that the promise is far superior to the to the, to the law in every which way. And we are, if we are in the seat of Christ, we, are, we have it all. So we have so much to be thankful for. We're in liberty in Jesus Christ. Let's bow for prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, tonight uh, we thank you that our liberty is in, we're, we're, is in Christ Jesus and he's made us free and we're to stand fast in that liberty. Lord, it did grieve my heart, disappointed me to hear again just this week, Lord, of someone still confused and thinking it's possible to fall from grace and lose your salvation. And Lord, they're, they've been coming to this church for a long time now. They still think that it's possible to fall out of your hand. Lord, you promised us eternal life. You promised we will never perish. We believe your word. We believe that we're safe in the arms of Jesus Christ, those that have been born again. Lord, we we believe this promise is kind of unto us for righteousness. We thank you for that. Lord, help us to walk by faith. Help us to certainly not to be arrogant because we're just we're recipients of your promise by grace, not of works, lest any man should boast. Lord, so blessed we pray as we close our service out tonight. We ask and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's just sing one verse here. Sherry's at the piano. How about the two? Is it 251, Grace Greater Than Our Sin?